Welcome to the Creation Today Show. I'm Eric Hovind. When King David was gathering his mighty men at Hebron, he distinguished a group of men known as the sons of Issachar. And he did that because they had the ability to understand the times that they were living in. It, it even says, and the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. It talks about how it was 200 of them. It says, and all their brethren were at their commandment. And then in one of Jesus's teachings, you see it in the book of Luke chapter 12, he actually scolds the people because they could not discern the times. And it says in verse 54, and he said unto the people, how is it? What When you see a cloud rise out of the west, you know straightway you say, there cometh a shower. And so it happens. And then he, when you see a south wind blow, you say, there's going to be heat. And it comes to pass. Then he said, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky. You can understand the weather and of the earth. But how is it that you do not discern this time? When even, he says, when even yourselves judge, you judge not what is correct, what is right. You know, of all the people in the world talking about the problems in our culture and the solutions that they suggest to fix those problems, there's only been a handful that have been accurate in their proclamation of both the problem and the solution for an extended period of time. You know, like talking like decades. Well, today we're going to have a conversation with one of those individuals. These are the kind of, of people that I just, I love talking to. And they're the kind of people that you and I need to listen to and to glean wisdom from. Uh, that's actually why I started the Creation Today show. I was having these amazing conversations and I wanted others to be able to listen in with me. Uh, you're going to love the wisdom you get with my guest today. He is the founder of the largest creation ministry in the world. He has written dozens of books. He's founded both the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, where millions have gone to learn the truth about the creation, truth about the flood, and the truth about the Bible. Uh, he and his team are making a massive impact worldwide with their podcasts, their social media platforms, their radio broadcast. Guys, welcome with me, Mr. Ken Ham. Hey, Ken, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Eric. Uh, it's great to be with you again. Man, I, you you are one of those guys that I just love listening to your sermons, your your radio broadcast, your social media posts are constantly taking the times that we're living in and applying them to the truth, and you're always getting it right. Uh, how is that you should, possible? You sure it's not the Aussie accent? <laughs> that, that's an extra 10 points, I got to tell you. That puts it over the top, man. We all want to hear that. But you're just constantly right uh, what do you attribute that to you know if you go back to the 70s when i first started speaking on creation apologetics the issue seemed to me to be so easy to understand because you're dealing with foundations right in other words where does our thinking come from mm -hmm. you know once i really had an understanding god knows everything we know virtually nothing compared to what he knows he has revealed to us in his word the key information we need to make sure that we understand the world correctly. 
And then when you understand the history in Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for everything. I mean, think about it. It's the foundation for the rest of the Bible, foundation for our Christian worldview, the foundation for all doctrine. It's the foundation for everything. Once you understand, you know, your thinking doesn't come from just out of the air somewhere. You don't just grab it out of the air. Our thinking, the way we think, which is our worldview, uh, and, and, and I've always sort of likened a worldview to putting on glasses. You, you have a pair of glasses on and you look at the world and your worldview depends upon the religion you have. In other words, your beliefs about everything. And it either starts from God's word or man's word. And when you look in Genesis, Genesis 3, when God said to Adam, obey my word, don't eat the fruit of the tree, and the devil comes along, did God really say you can be as God? Well, when you, when you understand that, you realize there's this conflict that's been there for 6,000 years between God's word, man's word. And when you start from man's word, like back in the 70s, I was saying when I came over speaking in America in the 80s, before we moved over here to, to live full time, one of the things I was saying is, if we don't raise up generations to start from God's word in Genesis, and we allow generations to have this foundation, it's man that determines truth, then ultimately anything goes, except the absolutes of Christianity. And so I was saying, even back then, you'll see increase in homosexuality, uh, you'll see an in, in increase in abortion. And in other words, you'll see moral relativism permeating the culture, which is what we see, because we've allowed generations of kids to be raised in an education system that, that through God out, Bible out, prayer out, creation out, teachers, everything is explained by natural process. Naturalism is atheism. And what we're seeing is that the whole culture which was once predominantly Judeo-Christian uh, ethic oriented. I mean, let's face it, in America, and, and in fact, the whole Western world had the Judeo-Christian ethic that permeated the Western world. But in America, a lot of your founding fathers were Christian, but even those that weren't still had a respect for the Bible. And so the Judeo-Christian ethic that came out of there permeated uh, people's thinking. So even, even non-Christians by and large, uh, had a Christianized worldview in the past, where non-Christians in the past believed that marriage was a man and a woman, or that abortion was wrong, it was killing a human being, or there are only two genders, and so on. But as that Judeo-Christian ethic has been ripped out of the culture, and we've raised up generations to have the foundation that it's man that determines truth, and sadly, those that were in church, I mean, if you go back to the 1700s, 75 to 80% of people in America went to church. Wow. If you look at Generation Z, and millennials now is down to less than 9%. And so what's happened is the majority of our church leaders have said, we don't need to believe Genesis. We can believe what the world says. You can believe what, what the schools have taught. Uh, they've endorsed the public education system, send your kids there. And they've come to the, those that were in church have come to their pastors. who said, you can believe what you're taught in school, just trust in Jesus. But then they start to realize if what we're taught there about evolution millions of years is true, the Bible is not true particularly Genesis is not true. Eventually they walk away from the church. And as they have that secular worldview and we see increasing generational loss from the church to the secular world, and we're seeing the impact of the secularized worldview on these young people impacting the world where we see moral relativism pervading. And the more, the more that we have generations that believe anything goes, sort of like you know, in the book of Judges, Judges 21, when there's no king, no absolute authority, everyone does what is right in his own eyes. 
but they become very intolerant of those that say, here's what's right, here's what's wrong, you know, and, and so we're seeing this clash of worldviews in our culture, because of this, um, the difference in foundation. And that has always been the issue to me. I mean, if you've seen those castle diagrams that I use in my talks, uh, the classic castle diagrams has the castle of the foundation of man, castle of secular humanism, moral relativism comes out of that, the foundation of God's word beginning in Genesis, castle of Christian worldview. And then out of that comes the doctrines of Christianity, marriage, you know, a man, a woman and, and sanctity of life and so on. And that has always been what this ministry is all about, which is why I could say the more we see people not standing on God's word, the more we allow generations to believe it's man's word is truth, the more we'll see moral relativism permeating the culture and we'll see uh, the, the, the Christian, Christian worldview collapsing and we'll see an antagonism towards Christians. And I was saying that back in the 70s and the 80s, it's exactly what we see happening today. But it, it's, it's easy to understand if you really grasp hold of the fact that our thinking has a foundation and there's only two foundations. There's only two religions, ultimately, God's word, man's word. Mm -hmm. Once you understand that and understand worldview and where your worldview comes from, then it all falls into place. And it's, it's really a key for people. I had someone I was just speaking this past week who said once they got that, it was like a light bulb that went off in their head and they said they've never, never gone back to the way they were before because they're always thinking in terms of I'm a Christian, I must start from God's word, I built my thinking, then I'm looking at this world. So I'm not looking at the world that God created directly. I'm looking at the world he created perfect, but is marred by sin. Now there's death. Uh, now um, there's been a flood. That's why we have fossils. There's been an event of the Tower of Babel. That's why we have different people groups and so on. What a difference when you understand your thinking from your foundation. And then they, they get the fact that, oh, when we're looking at people who disagree with us, they have a different foundation. And then the other aspect of it is you can't fight the battle up here at the worldview level. You've got to direct the battle down to the foundation, which means the solution to what's happening has always been the same solution. And that is the truth of God's word and the saving gospel. And that is what that is what is so powerful and what I've just been amazed to watch ministries come and go to watch speakers come and go. Uh, you, you were my professor 25 years ago, believe it or not, and to watch you just consistently be, be able to have the exact same message. And it, and it applies every time the foundation of God's word is the answer. And when we truly have the answer, that answer won't change. So uh, let me let me get and, to some. Go ahead. You know, I was going to just add, Eric, if you don't mind me jumping in here, there's been a lot of ministries and a lot of churches that are changing their views in regard to marriage, in regard to, you know, allowing uh, gay marriage and in regard to the LGBT movement and even regard to abortion, because they, that what they're saying is, well, the culture is changing, so we need to change how we interpret the Bible. No, the Bible doesn't change. This is God's word. It stands forever. The culture's changing. That's true. But we need to be judging the culture from God's word because he's the absolute authority. We are not the absolute authority. And if you look at Genesis 3, Genesis 3.1 and Genesis 3.5, see Genesis 3.1, where you have the, the temptation, did God really say? And then Genesis 3.5, you can be like God. You can be as God. 
And because we know that we sinned in Adam, Adam fell, Genesis 3.1 and Genesis 3.5 really sum up the nature of man, our sin nature. Our sin nature is we, our, our, our propensity is we want to question the word of God and we would rather be our own God. We would rather believe the word of fallible man than the, fallible word, than the infallible word of God, which means when we understand our sin nature and what sin has done to us and the fact that, that our nature is that we will want to question God's word and be our own God, and we would rather believe man than God, then we need to make sure that we're cognizant of that on a daily basis and make sure that we're checking, we're not listening to what man is saying and judging God's word. We need to be the other way around. Um, and, and we need to make sure that we're doing that over and over again. It's, it's that battle that even Paul talks about in regard to our, our old nature and so on. We don't want to be like Cain and, and let sin master over us, our sin nature to master over us. We've got to master it by con being conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ daily, which is why we need to know his word. And uh, that's why scripture says, you know, your, your word have I hid in my heart so I might not sin against you. We've got to know the absolute authority of the word of God. It's interesting because that's one of the conclusions I keep coming to as I listen to these talks and as I, as I watch your social media, you're constantly going back to scripture. And the challenge for me, and I hope the challenge for all of you that are out there that are Christians, is I find myself going, I, I want to know God's word more because that is the only way to have this kind of discernment is to know what the word says therefore be able to discern and, um, and the other the other key eric that i mentioned and you know what once you get this key it really really makes a difference is that genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for everything it's a foundation for the rest of the bible it's the foundation for all of our doctrine in fact um, I, I've been giving some talks recently. I, I read a new book called Divided Nation, Cultures and Chaos in a Conflicted Church. And one of the things I do when I'm even speaking to people is I said, so if you want to deal with any issue, it doesn't matter what the issue is, there's the same answer. The answer is this. You start with Genesis 1 to 11. And then I say to them, how do you deal with gender? What's the answer? You start with Genesis 1 to 11. You go back to Genesis 1, 27, God made male and female and so on. How do you deal with marriage? You start with Genesis 1 to 11, the creation of marriage, Genesis 2, 24, for instance. Uh, how do you deal with death and suffering? You start with Genesis 1 to 11. Uh, how do you deal with the abortion issue? You've got to start with Genesis 1 to 11 and understand about man made in the image of God and so on. How do you deal with the racism issue? You start with Genesis 1 to 11. And there are many churches that are more concerned that you have a particular view of eschatology, of, of revelation, than your view of Genesis. You, you're going to look, there are some churches that actually say you must have this view of eschatology to be a member of this church. But when it comes to Genesis, the details don't matter. I believe God created whatever. Well, here's the thing. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, revelation is not important or anything like that. It's part of the word of God. But revelation is not the foundation for the rest of the Bible. Revelation is not the foundation for all your doctrine. Revelation is not the foundation for your Christian worldview. Genesis 1 to 11 is. And Genesis 1 to 11 is where much of the church gave up their foundation. And because of that, we have all these people in our churches who are easily impacted by the world and don't know what to believe and don't know how to talk to people and not sure what they should say or whatever. 
because they haven't been taught the foundation. So that's what I've always been on about. That's what our ministry has always been on about, foundations. God's word or man's word. That's what it's all about. Well, I want to ask you a couple of the questions that culture is asking today and just see if it's true. You've already answered a couple of these, but let's just see if that's really the key as I go through some of these questions culture is asking today. Question number one, why does marriage really have to be between a man and a woman? Well, where did marriage come from? Genesis 1 to 11. God created marriage, not Joe Biden or the Supreme Court justices, right? It was God who created marriage. Now, when you look in Genesis, uh, we read that in Genesis 127, when, when we have an overview there, uh, that God made man male and female. So there's only two genders. Again, in Genesis 5, it says male and female. Genesis 2, we're told how God made male and female. He took dust and made a man, not an ape man, by the way, but dust and made a man. You don't return to an ape man when you die, you return to dust, right, when you die. And then he took the man's side and made a woman. Even in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul twice in that chapter says, woman came from man, not from an ape woman. You can't add evolution to the Bible. And then when God took dust, made a man, took his side and made a woman, then in Genesis uh, 2.24, what do we read? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and there'll be one flesh. You see, because right before that, uh, when God made the woman from, from the man and brought him to the man, brought her to the man, he said, she is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and there'll be one flesh. In other words, Genesis 2.24 is the creation of marriage, which means there's only one marriage. It's the marriage God created. It was a male and a female a man and a woman. And if you jump over to the New Testament, Matthew 19, and again in Mark 10 as well, it's recorded. But in Matthew 19, when Jesus, the son of God, the God man, was asked about marriage, he says, haven't you read, he who made them at the beginning made the male and female, he quotes the text of Genesis 127. And for this cause shall a man of his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and there'll be one flesh. That's the text of Genesis 2.24. In other words, Jesus is saying, the doctrine of marriage is based on that history in Genesis, which is true, that God made a man and, and a woman. And what that means is this. There's no such thing as gay marriage. Now, they can call it gay union. They can call it whatever they want, but it is not marriage. And if I write about gay marriage, so-called, I always put marriage in quotes because there's only one marriage, and that's the marriage God created. And one of the things you'll find is, as Christians is that everything there that God created, the devil takes and perverts it. I mean, he does it in regard to every single issue, in regard to gender, in regard to marriage, in regard to man made in the image of God, uh, in regard to man having dominion over the creation. The devil takes everything that God has done and perverts it and turns it around the other way, which is a reminder that those politicians who don't start from God's word, their starting point is man's word. So it's going to be the opposite of what, what God is, is teaching when they're consistent with their foundation, uh, which is what we see happening. So all that to say, there's only one marriage. It's the marriage God created. It's a man and a woman. It's a male and a female. Pre presume, presuming you can define what a woman is. Yeah, I was just, that's <laughs> the next question I had here. Is sex really assigned from birth? Absolutely. I, you know, God says he only made two genders, male and female. I mean, Jesus in the New Testament 
uh, reiterates that in, in Matthew 19 and in Mark 10. For instance, in Mark 10, he says, from the beginning of creation, he made them male and female. So there's only two genders. Now, you know, we're an apologetics ministry. So what does that mean? Uh, first of all, I would say this. Number one, if we really believe God's word, if this really is the infallible inerrant word of God, and God says he made two genders, regardless of what the world says, regardless when they come along and say, what about this exception, that exception, what about this, what about that? If we truly believe God's word, are we prepared to stand on it and say, look, the created order was two genders, right? But then we have to be ready for the world we live in. And they're going to say, oh, yeah, but, um, but wait a minute, aren't there exceptions? Well, first of all, uh, humans have 23 pairs of chromosomes. And we have a pair of sex chromosomes. Now, the sex chromosomes in a male are X and Y, and in a female are X and X. And people will say, well, wait a minute, um, but aren't there exceptions? By the way, that the X and Y and X and X are showing you science confirms two genders, right? That's true. Um, and then when people say, but can't you have two X's and a Y? Can't you have three X's uh, and so on? The answer is yes, there, there are exceptions. And they sort of like uh, point two to 0.05%, in other words, extremely small number. So why is that? It seems to be that the created order is definitely two genders, but you've got something happening at the same time. Well, you start from Genesis 1 to 11. It's a fallen world. Because it's a fallen world, God judged us with death. Now things run down, the whole of creation groans, Romans 8 says, and so now there are mistakes from one generation to the next. Uh, that add up. You can have mistakes in the sex chromosomes, but you can have mistakes in other chromosomes too that cause all sorts of other problems. But the point is none of that negates the created order. So we can understand why there are differences. And at the same time, we understand what the created order is because we have the history in Genesis 1 to 11. To even go to a doctor and try to get healthier if you have a problem assumes Genesis 1 to 11, there is a standard, there is a perfection, there is something that we're striving towards. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting when you, when you even think of all the stuff going around about climate change, you know, and, and what's happening there. I just read an That's article. That's one of today. them. That's I, one of the ones I got here for you is climate change. Well, you know, I just read an article uh, that in New Zealand, uh, the government has brought in that they're going to put a uh, a tax on sheep and cows for belching and flatulence. This oh. is this this is actually real. And Prince Charles just endorsed the idea of putting masks on cows. I don't know how they're going to eat with masks on. But anyway, um, I, I mean, it just shows you the foolishness of man. You know, we're seeing Romans one worked out before our eyes. I, I mean, every day, worshiping the creature rather than the creator. And, uh, you know, professing to be wise, they become fools. I'm, I mean, we're seeing this worked out before our very eyes. But here's the point. I, I think a lot, the climate change people, it's almost like they believe we should live in a perfect world. We shouldn't have droughts. We shouldn't have hurricanes. We shouldn't have tornadoes. Um, we shouldn't have floods. We shouldn't have any of these. We're going to live in a perfect We live in a fallen world. There's going to be droughts and floods and hurricanes and tornadoes. Uh, get used to it, right? Uh, and and then the younger generation don't even realize that the population's bigger today. So anytime you have droughts or floods, it's going to affect more people. And there are people living in areas they didn't live in in the past. And you know what's interesting? I I went to the government website and checked out tornadoes in America. There are more in the 70s than there, than there have been in recent times. Wow. Um, you see, if you go and actually check out the data. But here's the thing: 
what's happened is the devil perverting what what god tells us in genesis because in genesis chapter one uh and, and god made them male and female and um made man in his image right and then when you go to genesis chapter 1 verse 28 it tells you how god made the animals let the earth bring forth the animals uh, but how do you make man he made man in his image and he said to man to have dominion over the animals and over the creation in other words god gave us dominion over the creation that doesn't mean you abuse it but you use it for man's good and for god's glory right but our politicians today it's all, everything's always the opposite right of what god's word says so they have the creation having dominion over man and see the other thing is when if you reject the flood of noah's day do you know what the flood of noah's day did it caused dramatic climate change and it generated an ice age that caused climate change and ever since the flood there's been all sorts of climate changes um, but god has made this earth very resilient and regardless of all that's happened um there's no way man's going to destroy the earth i mean you have politicians like aoc saying within 10 to 12 years we'll destroy the earth or that person that chained themselves to a tennis court recently and said 1028 days or something or other you read genesis chapter 8 verse 22 after the flood what did god say while the earth remains seed time and harvest day and night summer and winter will not cease so God has set up this earth that man is not going to destroy it. And besides which, this whole issue of climate change is so much more complex. I mean, climates change all the time. It's related to sunspot activity, the, the, the ocean currents. And, you know, what man does in regard to carbon dioxide in the atmosphere has very, very little effect, really. Uh, the, the, major, um, the major greenhouse gas anyway is water vapor. And there's, it, it's so complex, the whole issues. And, and even now, it seems like we might be in a little bit of a cooling trend. I mean, we had a medieval cool period and we've had warmer periods in the past and so on. Uh, and see, the other thing is because you have these politicians that believe in millions of years, they've been indoctrinated to believe that way, they, and they believe man has only been around for a short time compared to the millions of years. So they believe what man is doing now is sort of destroying what's happened over millions of years. And because they think in those terms, therefore man is the problem, right? And that's, that's how they see it. So they don't understand it was a perfect world, sin messed it up, the flood messed everything up. Um, and, and, you know, that even relates to the way you view the environment. For, for secularists today, oh, you know, fire is natural, therefore fire is good, therefore let it burn through Yellowstone or whatever. Instead of saying, wait a minute, we're living in a fallen world, we can use fire for good, but fire can also be destructive. We can improve things. We can, we can do special burning to get rid of underbrush. We can stop fires that are going to be destructive because everything natural is not good. You know, it, it's sort of the same with this whole um, defund the police movement and all the rest of it that we see in our culture. There's an assumption that man is basically good. Yeah. But the Bible says the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And that's the point. And unless you understand man is not basically good, we're fallen, we're depraved. Unless you understand it's a fallen creation. And unless you understand the true history in Genesis, you're going to have the wrong worldview. And then you're going to make all these wrong decisions and you're going to hurt people. And that's what's happening. So even in philosophy, even in our, our, our government, civil government, even in our laws, 
Genesis 1 to 11 comes into effect. Absolutely, because it's the foundation for everything. You know, even understanding the fact that God is creator, that means he owns us. That means he has a right to set the rules. He has a right to tell us what to do. But our sin nature is we don't want God telling us what to do. We want to decide what to do for ourselves. So even the very first verse of the Bible, I mean, the whole of the rest of the Bible is dependent on that first verse being true. In the beginning, God created the heavens. And the earth. He's the creator. Wow. Okay, social media, I got to let you guys go. I hope you guys are enjoying this. I got more questions. I'm going to ask Ken. Uh, Ken, my next, I, I tell you what, answer this and before I let social media go, because you guys got it. You guys got to get the answer here, and it matters, okay? Ken, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, the bird obviously came first because God made the birds on day five and said, be fruitful and multiply, so they would have laid eggs. That's an easy one. Next question. Genesis 1 to 11 is the answer to that one as well. I'm telling Absolutely. you. When you said that Genesis 1 to 11 is the key to everything, it really is the key to everything, isn't it? It is. Wow. Absolutely. Man, all right, I got more questions I want to ask about uh, how does gender affect or how, how does Genesis affect uh, science as we do science? Why does, does life have value? Uh, what about eating animals? We'll get into that here in just a second. Facebook, YouTube, thank you guys for hanging out. Podcast listeners, I appreciate you being on here and all of those of you joining me. Uh, through television. Thank you for peering into the Creation Today community. If you want to watch all of our shows and have unlimited access to come on over to creationtoday.org, I hope that you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, it's starting to make sense. Genesis 1-11 through is so important, and I need you to get involved with us. You need to be part of the solution to help people understand this truth. Ken, you've been doing this for years. What's you guys got a website, answersingenesis.org. You got your social media sites, your personal pages, and your uh, answers in Genesis pages. You can get on your email list to get the articles and things you guys have. What, what's one thing that you would encourage all the social media people to do, both to be in touch with you and to actually be part of the solution rather than the problem or to be neutral? Well, Where should they go Eric, and what should they, they do? They need to come and visit the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum because everything we teach, we have there in exhibits and they, they're very impactful. The two leading Christian themed attractions in the world. That's what I would encourage them to do. And by the way, all of what we really talk about in this segment is really outlined in more detail in a new book I have uh, called Divided Nation, Cultures and Chaos in a Conflicted Church. And surprise, surprise, uh, my very latest book is a commentary on Genesis 1 to 11. And it's for the whole family. It's easy to read, answering all the most asked questions, has a devotional emphasis. But uh, actually, those two books together, the commentary on Genesis 1 to 11 is called From Creation to Babel and Divided Nation, really deal with all of these issues because it's it really comes together there. I think it's called Babel. But anyway, I don't want to correct you because you're... Uh, That's because so you're American. <laughs> Silly Americans. Wow, guys, this is this is so important. You guys need to be involved in this. Thank you guys for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you next week for a great conversation. Please don't just be part of the uh, of the of the people that are going through life. Let, let's be men and women of understanding, discerning the times, so that other people will say, "Hey, just tell me what to do," and you can give them the same direction. Go visit the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. <laughs> Go on a road trip. No, but know this truth and then teach this truth to the next generation. They've got VBS programs, they've got uh, Sunday school curriculum. Everything they do is designed to help teach the next generation and equip them with this truth because uh, 
We're not teaching it. We're not educating. The world is out educating us and we need to get caught up. So let's get busy educating the next generation. Thank you guys for joining me. I'll see you guys next week. Ken and I are going to continue with our partners.